Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Meaningful Learning Podcast with me, Dr. Samantha Cotrera. Many of you know that I started this podcast as a way to share my academic conference presentations with a wider audience. I also have a video series called Imagining a New We that's designed for K-12 teachers and helping them think about their practice and pedagogy in more meaningful, inclusive, and transformative ways. Just after the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic, I recorded a video for that series asking how we would teach history after this. I didn't have any answers. I still don't. But in asking the question, I was able to connect to a wide variety of people in the history and heritage field about whether their ideas of history have changed because of this moment, how they think teaching history will shift after this moment, and how notions of community, collaboration, and creativity, the imagining a new we that I named the video series after, may be developed or curtailed during and after this time. All of these videos are available on YouTube. You can search for my name to find the channel. But the conversations have been so rich that I wanted to provide another way for people to access them. This podcast episode and the rest in the Pandemic Pedagogy series is an unedited audio version of one of those video conversations. As an unedited version, you may hear buffering or a prompt to re-ask a question or even the inclusion of a cat. But the content and quality of the conversation remains the same. In this conversation, originally posted May 27th, 2020, I speak to Edmund Sosu all the way from Newcastle, Australia. Uh, Edmund is a social studies teacher educator, a doctoral candidate, and a former high school history teacher, and he is currently studying at the University of Newcastle, Australia. He and I discussed that history can help transform students to be moral agents in a world fraught with conspiracy theories. So many conspiracy conspiracy theories that are happening right now because of the COVID virus. This is a really great talk from someone from the other side of the world to be able to really kind of drive home a lot of the things that we're thinking about here in North America. Enjoy. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me for this series. Um, you are the first person that I'm speaking to from Australia, so I'm very excited to have a perspective from a totally different part of the world. Do you want to introduce yourself before we get started? Yeah, um, just mentioned my name. and I'm a high school teacher and uh, I'm also into pedagogy and curriculum and currently a PhD student at the University of Newcastle. Uh, looking into the systemic and uh, ideological issues that are shaping history teacher practice in this current world. So my focus has always been what is the purpose that drives teachers' classroom practices in classroom and the very context in which they find themselves and how they are able to maneuver themselves faced with those complexities and challenges and what best they do in those circumstances and what inform those decisions doing the classroom. Yeah, that's such important research. Um, I did a couple videos on people's purposes, but I think I think what you're saying about like what informs the decisions, um, especially when they get to moments, teachers get to moments where they're, you know, that it feels a little uncomfortable to them. Um, so I, hopefully we can pick up some of that research in our questions today. Uh, let's so let's uh, let's start with our first question. Have you thought of um, like when this happened, when the when COVID happened, it made me think about 
history differently. How we think about it, what we define as history. Um, has this changed for you at all? Have, have you thought of history any different because of this moment? And it's okay if you haven't. Some people were like, I am too busy <laughs> to, to think of that. But have you thought of history any different because of this moment? Uh, uh, one of the things that I've that's so fascinating is uh, the issue is, is this real at all? Uh, is that really happening or, or what kind of thing is happening because things has always been in a smooth way? And one will experience any human uh, problem that one would, that has put a major hot on the economy. Recently, we talk about what's the name, uh, the, the Wall Street bombing, and that was way about 2001, the September 11 issues, the September 11 issue, and uh, yeah, we find ourselves in 2020 looking at what is happening, ask yourself, is this really happening? And especially when by you realize you hear different narratives, a whole lot of conspiracy happening, and ask yourself, am I part of history? Am I part of what is going to happen and what kind of narrative am I going to project uh, to come to the next generation of my children, come to my grandchildren, especially when uh, there are a whole lot of conspiracy theories going on, the whole concept of blame theory, who are we blaming for this government? And countries are coming out saying that, uh, you don't have to attach my name. Uh, uh, the whole concept of, uh, excuse me if I could mention a country here, like uh, uh, Trump coming in here saying that uh, the Chinese virus and uh, <laughs> the Chinese are also saying that you don't have to attach Chinese to the virus. So we realize that uh, for posterity, uh, people one way or the other are, are very careful in terms of pointing hands to the origin of the virus because they know the consequences and how long it could go in terms of it impacts and it transmitting to a whole new generation who have a different perspective about the whole origin of this virus. And in my case, I'm kind of wondering what kind of story I'm going to talk. Am I going to be objective or uh, am I going to say it's from my perspective in terms of my children, my grandchildren, because we least expect some of these things to come in. But the, the, the baseline is, am I going to be objective? Am I going to point hands at China? I'm going to point hands saying that the origin of the virus just came from what Wuhan, but the Chinese has nothing to do with it. Or I'm going to point it from the conspiracy I find myself in, in terms of history, uh, how to pass on this information as it lingered in my memory and people are also having different thoughts about it. So that's a fascinating aspect of it. Do you think though that, um, that we can ever be objective? Do you think we should be objective? Uh, to, to, to understand, uh, we, we have to be objective, uh, but objectivity, uh, we can never have an absolute 100% objectivity, but there's a bit of subjectivity in what we do. And, uh, one or the other are bringing my own interpretation and this interpretation may be informed by my own experiences and experiences differ and we see things in the world from a, person, a, a personal perspective or a personal framework and so in as much that we want to achieve uh, this objectivity 
uh, in as much as we want to bring in our subjective experience, we just have to make sure that uh, there's a level of objectivity in the kind of narratives uh, we put out there because uh, currently the internet is another means whereby fire, or uh, it's another means whereby information spread like fire and it, it can archive for a very long time and whole new generation can chance upon it. And uh, those are the library, historians, uh, public work also and so forth uh, use these informations in times of reconstructing the past. So uh, it lies on me, the individual in this time that uh, whatever thing that I'm doing, although my experiences, my subjective experiences uh, will shape what I'm trying to do, I should try as much as possible to be a bit of objective in what kind of narrative and everything that I do should be proven by fact. But the problem here is, uh, any comment everybody is trying to put up is, is based upon a, a particular documentary. They use a particular evidence to support their conspiracy theory. And so uh, it leaves the individual that are then going forward. If you want to make any claim or you want to make any argument, uh, it should be so much objective proven by facts. But as to what is fact, it's also a different thing altogether because people can put pieces and pieces together and it's make a whole lot of narrative. And especially in an era whereby uh, we have picture uh, audio over pictures whereby the narrator, uh, the person making the documentary can tune in the documentary to a particular way based on a particular question and the background audio he or she is putting up to explain the particular incident going on. So it's a challenge, but we'll try our best to mitigate it. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's an interesting perspective because I don't think that we are ever gonna be objective or should, should strive for objectivity. But what I'm hearing from you is like what, what I am, like I'm connecting a couple different things and I'm thinking that what you're really saying is like we really need to recognize our politics and the certain things that we are doing because we can say, oh, the, the virus came from China in a way that is just a fact and we can say it in a way that's like loaded with politics and judgment. And I think it's kind of interesting to think about the ways that we need to be aware of like the politics and what we're thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. So this leads me to my second question about, do you think the ways that we are gonna teach history will shift and change after this moment? Uh, <laughs> obviously it's going to shift and some teachers are, uh, are shifting the way they look at things. Uh, you know, the whole idea about uh, uh, teaching the whole historical thinking concept uh, has been lingered on for a couple of years now, and uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, much more going beyond that in terms of looking up education of the soul, mind, and heart, and kind of teaching to transform the individual, transform the child, and looking at what is happening in our society, uh, teachers would want to use a classroom uh, as, uh, uh, let me use it as a transforming end whereby uh, they feel like we want to mold up this child, we want to mold up this student to become more robust citizens 
come tomorrow. So you realize that uh, uh, going forward, uh, although you want to be thinking about thinking questions, but we realize that uh, beyond the thinking questions, uh, we, we kind of wasn't in education of morality, education of social change, a whole lot of stuff, fixing the child into the society, being a good citizen, uh, uh, being a good member of the economy and working towards this. And so it's a whole responsibility. And teachers, that's when you realize that teachers end up to become, you see a whole lot of presentism in teaching uh, in terms of using the past and what is happening to try to advise students. Teachers will end up being like more of evangelists, more of preachers, advisors, counselors to students because they feel like uh, a greater majority of the child upbringing lies with them, especially when by the child spend about eight hours in the school and spend few hours home, and they feel as that they are now they were the power parents or the child, so they want to advise these students to become good models. So we will go back a bit towards the name, uh, what has been uh, the, the, the traditional way in terms of, although we are going more foster, more of constructivist way, but right that now we still have to do more for the name transforming the child. And sometimes that's when you have to use the direct method, advise the students and fostering some sort of moral consciousness in them because things are worse today because of, if I'm to go by a whole call of conspiracy theory, we assume that was somebody one way or the other have planted these things and assuming that we have a moral society that thinks about each other and more conscious about whatever they do, then that sort of community of belonging, a community of looking out for each other, uh, start from the classroom and teachers have a role to play in seeing to that this works. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's so interesting because um, I have been called the harshest his, uh, critic of historical thinking in Canada. <laughs> Which is a um, which is a, a badge I'll, I'll wear with honor because I do think that history education should be about transformation, and I really love that you're saying that you think that that this might be a moment that helps teachers think more about the transformative possibilities for uh, history education because I think it is so important that we are thinking of the stories we're telling and we're thinking of the ways that we want to make change in the world and we aren't just like looking through evidence in a very procedural way, for example. And um, that's really kind of exciting that, that that is, from your perspective, that's kind of what, you're, what you think or predict might happen after this moment. Yeah, obviously, uh, this is how things are, because you, you realize that anytime a major uh, incident happening in a country, uh, a particular incident happening in a country, uh, one or the other that informs, but especially when it becomes a major problem that affected the whole society. Uh, we can't do away such a discussion. Uh, you can you teachers live in a society, they live within a contest, and contests one or the other have a greater impact on whatever thing that they do in the classroom. Nobody can be negligible of such a great atrocity. We are talking about hundreds of thousands of people who have died out of this virus. And uh, we can't act as if that uh, we are being blind of the whole sort of conspiracy theory going on. Even if it's negligence, even if it's a plot towards an aim to eradicate part of the human race, there are a whole lot of things that are informing 
our understanding about life, look at life from a different perspective altogether that the challenges is too much, especially when by uh, people are uh, even with a fleet of properties or a fleet of cars have been asked to stay home and uh, you can't have no access to enjoy your whole luxury that you used to enjoy. That you have to reconsider life from a different perspective that there's a greater part of life that we can't control, but the little we could do is uh, how best we can use our classrooms as a point whereby we can teach these students to be more, uh, uh, look out for each other and think more about their decision because they are the next generation of leaders and we have to transform them to think about each other. You've been hearing about this whole concept about uh, uh, atomic bombs. Are you hearing about after the, the, was it in, uh, this whole concept of uh, uh, atomic weapons uh, that they assume that was uh, if uh, it has been uh, launched, it may have an impact on the human race and it eradicates the entire system. And people are looking at it from could it be a different way altogether of a, a, a different testing of an atomic or a biological weapon whereby uh, the human race would want to be wiped out? And teachers, anybody who is more moral conscious or society conscious and thinks more about the needs of society would want to avoid such a thing. So we end up using our classroom, try to advise our students to be more like evangelists preachers of Betty's, preachers of good using history. And we write that history poses a lot of past issues that we can track on and use to advise our classroom. So no matter what we want to do in terms of teaching to be more, teaching students to be more of applying thinking skills and interpretive skills, using evidence, so on and so forth. The other aspect of the education is the education of change, education of the hearts, whereby we want these students to, to live a transformed life and by being responsible citizens. And this comes by wasn't the teacher acting as a sage on stage, trying to wasn't advise the student what is best. And teachers cannot be independent and cannot be excluded from bringing their own experiences in their classroom. That is inevitable. It can never happen. Yeah, I, I think that's so interesting, but we really need to reconsider what and who we are after this, and we can use history for that. This really makes me think of, of the last question, um, which is, do you think that we are going to be able to imagine a new we after this? So a lot of my work is about this transform transformative version of history and that we need to, we need to imagine greater spaces of inclusion for the people in our rooms so that they can recreate and create spaces that include them. Do you think that we will be able to imagine a new we after this moment? And what do you think that might look like? Uh, it's we're still in the process of imagining uh, a new we because this event has really had an impact on how we look at things, how we uh, uh, commit to ourselves, how we take decisions and what we want to do in the classroom. And the, the, the transformative aspect of it is uh, we kind of reconsider what is worthwhile in terms of 
education and what is the most important thing. And uh, you, uh, I saw a post recently that I tried to uh, see that uh, technology has taken place, technology has taken families from each other. Uh, everybody seems busy. Everybody seems to be occupied by their work. Everybody wakes up and goes to work. Now with the lockdown, everybody's making time for each other. Families that then past issues whereby prior to the invention of technology, families used to have time for each other, commune at the dining table, uh, is being reinstalled. And so we kind of look at what is worthwhile in this moment whereby uh, we, we are considering this major hit on the world. We do we want to go back? Do we still want to make time for each other? Do we want to uh, look at things from a transformative end, making time for each other, and looking at things from a transformative end by uh, fostering more of social values, things that are worthwhile, and things that are worthwhile will drive. I think looking at the future, things that are worthwhile and going back to the basis, how things used to be in the good way prior to the invention of technology and how best we could include that in our families. Now child children, children have the maximum time from their parents and fathers are staying home. Some fathers are staying home and uh, technology, the rules are being made less busy. Nature is reinventing itself. Nature is reincorporating itself again. And that is how we are going to see things, looking at things, what is work for, going back to the basis, and in the future, what is work to be included, so that what we can become very good citizens and people who are informed by things that are happening. You know, one of the things that makes me think about, like, what we make time for during this time, like, what are we considering, what are we reconsidering, is um, I live in a very expansive ravine system, and this time, this COVID time, I have seen the most people out in those spaces and using them. And I think that for a lot of people, it's not just getting out of the house, but it's actually reconnecting with nature and it's staying away from digital technologies. And um, whenever I'm there and I'm doing hiking, I'm thinking, is this going to translate to, to more climate change activism? Is this going to translate for people to be greater stewards because they are connecting in these spaces? And, um, and I think that's, that is a, those are really interesting questions and I'm really glad that you brought them up. This has been a really great little talk. Thank you so much, Edmund. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, this has been really great. And I'm, I, I am, it's really interesting from a place across the world, Australia, how there are such similarities in how we're thinking through these these ideas so yeah it was really great to connect thank you so much the, 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 the good news is uh people are making documentaries uh, showing how things used to be when humans were occupying those natural environments and now that humans are now was an end using the activities the less fumes in the skies they just kind of take our nature is recuperating nature is bringing back itself and things are looking very good shape and like you said, this uh, whole sort of climate change activist could also have a voice in here and kind of look at things from a different perspective. 
Now the issue is the politics of control, the politics of memory we put out here is what we just have to guard. So that's what we just been objective. Uh, at least we bring in our subjective experience too. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of food for thought. Uh, thank you so much. And um, let's stay connected. Okay, you're welcome. Okay, thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Pandemic Pedagogy series of the Meaningful Learning with Dr. Samantha Cotrera podcast. My first book, Transforming the Canadian History Classroom, Imagining a New We, will be available in the latter half of 2020. Order on Amazon or through your local bookseller today.